Give yourself goosebumps number six. Beware of the purple peanut bottle by R.L. Stein. Choose from over 20 different askeity endings. Talk about snack attack. Your aunt and uncle told you to stay out of their basement. So of course you check it out. That's where you find the dusty old refrigerator. In the fridge there are two containers. One is filled with purple goop. It smells just like a peanut butter jelly sandwich. The other holds a piece of chocolate cake. Your stomach is growling. If you eat the purple goop, you start shrinking. Pretty soon you're battling it out with a gigantic monster. A mouse! If you choose the cake, you grow into a tall giant. Now you're trying to escape from the police, who are convinced you're a mutant alien. (laughs) The choice is yours in this scary Goosebumps adventure that's packed with over 20 super spooky endings. Listener beware, you choose the scale. Are you hungry? Are you bungers? I love peanut butter. Purple peanut butter is confusing because it's like, just like jelly. I mean, it's just peanut butter, but it's the color Peanut, 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 peanut. Right? It makes me think a little bit of, oh gosh, what was that? Remember Nickelodeon? This is when we were babies. Nickelodeon had smud flown. We've talked about smud on here before. It reminds me of smud. Because I remember we ha- I had purple smudge. So the cover of this one, oh, I, welcome to welcome to Deadcast. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm just so excited to get into it because it's been a it's been a minute. Uh, Matthew Scott Montgomery. This is my brother Daniel Montgomery. That's a motorcycle outside, and this is our Goosebumps podcast. Welcome to Deadcast, and we're doing the Give Yourself Goosebumps number six today. And it's Matthew's turn to read, and my turn to choose. All Daniel has to do is sit back and choose. And if you remember, we get one death. <laughs> yes, I get to die once, and then. Then them's the rules. Um, so don't look at the timestamp or however long this episode is because it'll give away when it ends. <laughs> I can't wait for the episode that's actually five, six minutes. Maybe that's today. Maybe that's today. So this one is Beware of the Purple Peanut Butter. And the cover is a little white boy with blue eyes and red Converse sneakers. And he's stuck inside a sandwich filled with purple goo. Smud. Or with purple smud. It's, it's... And the colors, are, what would you say the colors are? I mean, there's like a, a aquamarine teal highlight uh, hologram swirly thing happening. And then it's a, a, a gray purple and a yesterday's green. I think it's, I think the colors are fun. It is fun. It's serving us goosebumps for sure. This one came out in June 1996, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the same month as Goosebumps number 44, Say Cheese and Die Again. Wow. Do you hear the ASMR of me turning these pages? Those, oh. These are some yellow, yellowed pages. They've been through a lot. I mean, I only did this one once when it, we you know, when we were, when we were children's. You ready to dive right in and do this? I'm so ready, and I'm so hungry for peanut, 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 peanut. Oh, wow. Okay, that was me knocking over my energy drink. Mm. 
Okay, take <laughs> take a sip, everybody. Here we go. Woo, beware. Do not read this book from beginning to end. Don't go to the basement. Your aunt warns as you start a game of hide-and-seek with your two horrible cousins. Do you listen? No way. But while you're hiding in the basement, your stomach grumbles and growls. Mm. You open an old refrigerator and find a jar of purple peanut butter and stale mm. chocolate cake. Which should you eat? Watch out. A small taste of one of these foods could cause big trouble. You may never be the same again. You're in control of this scary adventure. You decide what will happen and how terrifying the scares will be. Start on page one, then follow the instructions at the bottom of each page. Page. You make the choices. So take a long, deep breath, cross your fingers, and turn to page one, two. Give yourself goosebumps. Here we go. You can't believe your parents did this to you. Aww. Your mom and dad are off to Europe on a business trip, so you have to spend the summer in Fiskville with Aunt Fiona and Uncle Harvey, which means spending the summer with your cousins, Barney and Dora, Ugh. which means a summer of torture, la tortura. Barney is a year older than you and a bully. <gasps> Dora is a year younger and a whiny pest. Not what you had in mind for your summer vacation. You stare glumly out the car window as your aunt and uncle drive home from the airport. Aunt Fiona turns around in the front seat and beams at you. Barney and Dora can't wait till we bring you home, she squeals. I'll bet you think bad news Barney can't wait to pound me into the ground. Wow. Wow. Dora the drag can't wait to rope me into playing with her dolls. That sounds like fucking fun. I want to hang out with Dora the drag. Drag is all over the world. Uncle Harvey pulls the car into a driveway. You stare at the house. It's two stories high and run down. The lawn is choked with weeds. The front steps are cracked and crumbling. Oh, no. Not very promising. At least the creepy cousins aren't around, you think. Maybe you can sneak off before they even know you're here. Then a loud bang makes you jump nearly out of your skin. Turn to page two. Barney runs out the front door, letting it slam behind him. You slowly step out of the car. Barney's pudgy face breaks into a mean grin under his thick blonde hair. Even though he's only a year older than you, he's twice your size. While your aunt and uncle unload the car, he punches you in the arm. Mm. Hard. Mm. High wimp, he snarls. Doris skips around the side of the house, holding her obnoxious orange cat, Puff. Dora's dark hair hangs in two long braids over her shoulders. She eyes you with a smirk, then giggles. Puff hisses at you. What a summer, you think. Maybe you can spend your entire vacation upstairs in your room. But no. We've been waiting for you, Barney says. Let's play a hide-and-seek. Oh no, you think. It's starting. It's nice to see you're already having fun, Aunt Fiona gushes. Your uncle and I have to go back to the university. I'll take your suitcase upstairs for you. No, really, you protest. I don't mind. Nonsense, Uncle Harvey responds. You kids go on and play. There's just one thing. It's very important. You can play anywhere you want, but don't go into the basement. Style basement! Turn to page 23. Why can't we go in the basement, you ask? We haven't cleaned it out since we moved in, Aunt Fiona tells you. The people who owned the house before us were very strange. We don't know what's down there. It could be dangerous. Let's get started, Barney commands when his parents have gone inside. You remember the hide-and-seek rules? I remember. You sigh. Who could forget? Whoever's it gets to pound anyone he catches, Barney reminds you. Wow. wow. I want to play. Wow, wild. Fine, you say. I'll go first. Sorry, Barney replies. It's my house. I'll be it to start. Now go hide while I count to a hundred. 
He laughs as he waves his fist in your face, and then he shuts his eyes. Gulp, turn to page 108. You better come out and pound me. Better come out and pound me. One, Barney counts. Two, three, four, 27, 28, 50. As usual, your cousin is cheating. Bitch. You'll have to find a place to hide, fast. But where? Dora drops Puff and runs around to the back of the house. You want to stay as far away from her as possible. You glance around, then tiptoe into the house. You find yourself in a small living room crowded with furniture. You don't have much time. Where can you hide? You dodge around a couple of chairs, then you head for a hallway that leads to the kitchen. 70, Barney shouts from outside. 81, 86. Barney. You spot a doorway to the right of the refrigerator. You pull the door open. Steep, splintery steps lead down into a dark, musty-smelling room. It must be the way to the basement. But your aunt and uncle warned you to stay out of it. 93, Barney shouts. Quick, make a decision. Should you forget about your aunt and uncle's warning and hide in the basement? Or find somewhere else to hide? To creep down to the basement, turn to page 71. Or find another hiding place, turn to page 47. This is very unlike me, but I'm going to break the rules and creep down to the basement. Oh, wow, that's what I would have did. Look what God has did. You glance around quickly to make sure no one is watching. Then you push open the basement door and start down. The stairs are old. They creak with every step you take. Cobwebs brush your face. What could be down here that's so dangerous, you wonder? You reach the bottom of the stairs. The floor is so dusty it looks as if it hasn't been cleaned in a hundred years. Feeble daylight filters through a big, filthy window at the back of the room. Ooh, you start to explore. But there's nothing much to see. Mostly old, dusty, worn furniture, old couches, old chairs, an old mattress, an old refrigerator and stove, both covered with rust, sit in one corner. Nothing dangerous, nothing even interesting. But being down here is better than getting pounded by Barney. You sit in one of the old armchairs and wait. Sooner or later, Barney and Dora will get tired of their game. Soon it'll be safe to go back upstairs, but there's only one problem. One big problem. Turn I'm to page hungry. Yes, the problem is that you're hungry. The plane ride to Fiskville was a long one. All you had to eat was an airline snack of peanuts and a soda. And now you realize that you're starving. Your stomach is growling so loudly, you're almost afraid Barney and Dora will hear it. You glance around the basement again. Maybe there's some cans of food. But no. The only shelves contain old carpenter's tools. The only cabinets are full of torn and dirty sheets and towels. You really don't want to go back upstairs. Not yet. Not with Barney the bully and Drippy Dora waiting for you. Drippy Dora? What about the old refrigerator? You see that it's plugged in. Maybe there's something to eat inside. Trying not to get your hopes up too high, you approach the refrigerator. The door seems stocked. But you pull hard and it pops open. You spot two containers way in the back. You bend down to inspect them and gasp. Turn to page 29. Something in the refrigerator smells great. Ooh, it smells so good, girl, that your mouth starts watering. Ooh, you were hungry before, but now you're ravenous. Whatever is giving off the smell must be the best tasting food in the world. You pull out two containers and examine them. One is a small jar. At the bottom of the jar is a glop of disgusting looking purple goop. The other container is a white bakery box with a label that says Effie's Bakery, Midvale, in fancy writing. Inside the box is a thick slab of chocolate cake. You lean down and sniff. To your surprise, the delicious aroma is coming from the purple goop. It smells like a combination of the best peanut butter and jelly in the world. Peanut butter jelly time with chocolate on top. The cake doesn't have any smell at all. Your stomach growls again. What will you eat? The wonderful smelling purple goop or the chocolate cake? 
If you taste the purple goop, turn to page 17. If you try the cake, go on to page 111. Definitely the purple goop. Of course. Chocolate does nothing for me. Nothing for me. Chocolate's dead. Page 17. Cautiously, you stick a fingertip in the purple goop. Mm. It feels soft and gooey like peanuts butter. You stick your tongue and take a teeny tiny taste. Awesome flavor. It's purple and... Don't look. Awesome and... Awesome flavor. It's purple and slimy, but this weird peanut buttery goo tastes like a combination of every delicious dessert you've ever had in your life. Mm. You lick the rest of the purple goop off your finger and then stick your finger back in the jar. Ooh, you can't believe how yummy, 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 yummy it tastes. You wish the whole jar were full of the purple paste. Unfortunately, there wasn't very much, and soon the jar is empty. But you're not hungry anymore. In fact, you feel great. You shut the refrigerator door and flop back down on the armchair. A moment later, you hear a loud thump at the top of the stairs. You glance up. Your heart sinks when you see what's there. Oh, no. Hurry to page 94. What is there? It's your cousin Dora, smirking at you from the top of the stairs. You're not supposed to be down here. She whines. I'm going to tell. Wait, you cry. It was an accident. I came back here by mistakes. Yeah, sure, she taunts. But maybe I won't tell. If you play with me. Maybe, you say cautiously. Let's play dolls, she urges. I have a new dollhouse. You hate playing with Dora. She's really spoiled and has a tantrum if she doesn't get her way. I'll tell if you don't, Dora persists. What are you going to do? If you refuse to budge, turn to page 22. If you give in and play dolls with Dora, turn to page 35. I'm going to play dolls with Dora. That's what I would have done too. You figure it's too early in your visit to get into trouble. All right, all right. Now where's this dollhouse, you ask Dora. Out on the porch, your cousin answers, follow me. You start to follow Dora up the stairs when suddenly you have to stop. The strangest sensation comes over you. Your toes and fingers tingle and little pink dots swim before your eyes. Come on, Dora whines from the top of the stairs. You said you'd play. You shake your head and everything is back to normal. That was weird, you think. Maybe you just stood up too fast. Dora stamps her foot impatiently. Do I have to stick Barney on you, she warns. I'm coming, I'm coming. You bound up the stairs. You feel a little tired. These stairs must be steeper than they look. You follow Dora out to the porch and sit beside her in front of the dollhouse. You have to admit, the dollhouse is mm, putty cool. It's three stories high and filled with miniature furniture. There's even a tiny piano and a little guitar. You reach into the dollhouse to move a chair. As you do, you notice Dora's eyes open wide with a surprise. Turn to page 100. What's wrong? You ask Dora. Why is your watch like that? She asks, pointing to your wrist. You glance where Dora is pointing, and you notice that your wristwatch is hanging loose from your wrist. That's strange, you murmur. The watch band must have stretched. It's metal, Dora points out. How could it stretch? Didn't it fit when you got here? I guess so, you mumble. That's a good question, you realize, but one of you don't but one you don't have an answer for. Now you notice something else. When you first came here, you were three inches taller than Dora. Sitting beside her now, you seem to be the same height. How is that possible? What is going on? Rush to page seventy-eight. I wonder what's going on. There's got to be a logical explanation. Maybe you didn't notice how much Dora has grown. Maybe you're losing weights. Maybe you're just imagining things. You look awfully thin, dear, Aunt Fiona tells you it's supper that night. Have some more mashed potato. Yeah, wimp, Barney grins. Eat some of my food while you're at it. When his mother isn't looking, he dumps his broccoli on your plate. You ignore Barney, because you've noticed something disturbing. The table seems a lot higher than it used to be. Something really bizarre is happening to you. 
I'll feel better after a good night's sleep, you think. That night you have weird dreams about pink dots and tingling toes. And the next morning, when you climb out of bed, your pajama bottoms fall off your body onto the floor. Oh, no. What is happening, you wonder in a panic? I can't figure out what's happening, Daniel. Can you? This no, is such a mystery. I'm really confused. You pick up your pajama bottoms and examine where you examine them. They're exactly the same as they were last night. Of course they are, because you now know what your problem is. Your pajamas haven't gotten bigger, Dora hasn't grown, and your watch band hasn't stretched. Turn up. You have shrunk. Turn to page 50. I could have told you that. You run to the bathroom. The mirror is even higher than it was last night. You have to stand on a stool to peer into it. It's true. You look the same, but you're definitely smaller. Getting dressed, you notice that none of your clothes fit. They're all much too big, except the jeans and t-shirt you were yesterday. They're smaller too. Whatever made you shrink also made them shrink. But what was it? Yesterday. What do you think it could be? Yesterday, yesterday, you mutter. You pace around the room trying to remember everything you did in the last 24 hours. What is the name of this book? It's called Beware of the Purple Peanut Butter. Uh... You're so freaked out, it's hard to concentrate. Okay, you say to yourself, trying to calm down. I've been on airplanes before, and I've never shrunk. I've had my aunts cooking before, so it's not what I ate for dinner. Suddenly, you snap your fingers like this. You've got it figured out. The purple peanut butter. It's the Instatan. You've never had anything like that before. It's this expired bottle of Instatan. In fact, you're not even sure what the purple goop was. You better find out, and fast. You race downstairs and straight to the basement. But when you yank open the basement door, your heart stops. Turn to page 100. It's gone. The refrigerator has disappeared. In fact, all the furniture in the basement is gone. Everything. The basement is completely empties. You rush to the kitchen. Your aunt is just leaving the house to go to work at the university. Aunt Fiona! You cry. Where's the refrigerator that was in the basement? She frowns. Dora told me you were playing down the yesterday, she replies. That rat. You played with her stupid dollhouse, and she still told on you. Don't worry, Aunt Fiona goes on. I had all the furniture hauled to the dump early this morning. But, you start to protest, those old things were dirty and dangerous, she continues. Now it's safe for you kids to play down there whenever you want. She gives you a quick kiss and leaves you before you can ask any more questions. You stare after her in shock. You're in big trouble, or rather in small trouble. You're still shrinking. What if you grow so small you disappear? If you think you can find the refrigerator at the dump, hurry to page 24. If you think you should see a doctor, turn to page 120. Listen, I hate doctors, but I'm not going to find the refrigerator at the dump. Doctor it is. You figure the best thing to do is go see a doctor. But how will you find one? You check by the phone. That's where parents usually keep emergency phone numbers. And this is definitely an emergency. You're in luck. There's a list posted on the wall. And right between the phone number for the police and the phone number for the pizza delivery, there's an emergency doctor. There's a number for Dr. Jenner. You dial quickly. You try not to notice how far you have to stretch to reach the phone. A woman's voice comes on the line. Dr. Jenner's office. I have to see the doctor right away, you say. What's the Madeline. problem? The woman asks. I'm shrinking, you blurt out. There's dead silence in the other end of the line. Please, you have to help me, you beg. My clothes are too big. I can't reach the phone. And my watch. May I speak to an adult? The woman breaks in. You ha- can tell she doesn't believe you. No one is home, you explain. And this is an emergency. The doctor is very busy, the woman says coldly. And I don't have time for prank phone calls. You slam down the phone in frustration. Now what? You turn to page 12. 
You got it. You'll find your aunt at the university. She can get you a doctor's appointment, or maybe someone at the college will be able to help you. You race into the den. You search in your aunt's desk drawer for directions to the university. Finally, you find a bus map. There are two buses that seem to go to the university, the number 103 and the number 5. They leave from opposite ends of your block. You don't know which bus is best. You don't want to wake up Barney and Dora to ask them. They've caused you enough trouble already. You'll just have to guess. Which bus do you take? For the number 103 bus, race over to page 103. For the number 5, turn to page 5. Mambo number 5. You run down the street to the left. The number 5 bus pulls up just as you arrive at the corner. Now you're so small that you have to stand on tiptoe to drop your coins into the box... And when you arrive at the university, you can't reach the rope to signal for a stop. Luckily, some other people are getting out, too. So you slip off the bus behind him. This university is huge. Dozens of big, I'm trying to make this as exciting as possible. Dozens of red brick buildings surround a grassy area. People hurry along the pathways. Now, how will you find your aunt? A sign points to the main administration building. Maybe that's where you can find where Aunt Fiona is. You head that way. Then the pink dots appear again. Thousands of dots. You When your fingers and toes stop tingling, you discover that you are now the same height as the dandelions on the lawn. What? At the rate you're shrinking, you might disappear before you make it to the main building. Should you run into the physics building right in front of you, maybe one of the scientists will help you. Or should you keep going into the main building to find your aunt? If you dash into the physics building, zoom over to page 39. If you keep looking for your aunt, turn to page 126. I think I'm going to go to the physics building. Physics building it is. Physics might explain what's happening. You need help and you need it now. You dash into the physics building. You scramble up the single step as someone opens the door. Quickly, you scamper inside. You stop a moment to catch your breath. Being tiny sure is tiring. You scurry along the long hallway searching for someone who can help you. Men and women come and go all around you, but they don't look down at their feet so they don't see you. Help, you cry. Can someone please help me? A woman hears you and glances down. She cries, a mouse. Where you squeak, glancing around. Then you realize she means you. You're so little she thinks you're a mouse. Kill it, the woman shouts. Someone find the janitor and kill it. What? I don't look like a mouse. You'd better get out of the hall, quick. Two doors are standing open. The one at the far end of the hall is labeled Dr. Abbott's lab. Can you make it there before the janitor comes? Maybe you'd better enter the unlabeled door right next to where you're standing. Duck through the door that's closest on page 8, or try for Dr. Abbott's lab on 109. I'm going to try and make it to Dr. Abbott's lab. You run down the hall as fast as your tiny legs can go. The janitor's footsteps thunder behind you. You duck into Dr. Abbott's lab at the end of the hall. You hide in the space between the open door and the wall. Now where is that mouse? The janitor shouts. There are no mice in here, says a friendly voice from the back of the room. You glance up and see a tall scientist with a gray beard working at a table. He must be Dr. Abbott, you think. Let's look around and make sure, the janitor insists. You hold your breath as he enters the room, then clomps around looking for you. Please don't look behind the door, you think. I guess it didn't come in here, the janitor announces. See you later, Doc. You let out a sigh of relief that sounds like this. <sighs> you step out from behind the door and glance around. Dr. Abbott's laboratory is huge. Way above your head, you can see several tables and bookshelves. Two big metal machines stand in a corner. You hear the sound of something boiling on a gas burner. You're sure to find help here, but how can you make Dr. Abbott notice you? Turn to page 9. I can ding and dance. You hurry over Dr. Abbott. 
You hurry over to Dr. Abbott. You try shouting at him, but he doesn't hear your feeble, squeaky voice. You try pulling it on his pants cuff. Cuffing season. But all he does is shake his leg, sending you flying under a table. How can you make him notice? Then you get a great idea. Moving carefully, you untie the shoelaces on both of his shoes. You're so small that it's like untying two jump ropes. Now slowly, carefully, you tie the two laces together and you make a knot. He's so busy working, he doesn't notice. I would You scramble out of the way and wait. It doesn't take long. Dr. Abbott stands up. He starts to cross the room and bam! He trips and falls flat on his face. Hey! He shouts angrily. Who tied my shoes together? I did, you reply. He lies. He's still lying flat on the floor. You stroll over to his head. Who said that? He demands angrily. Now speak up. I did it, you repeat. You're standing in front of his face. I'm sorry. I had to get you to notice me. Now he focuses on you. At first, he looks surprised. Then he frowns. He suddenly swoops his hand out to swat you. Turn to page 51. You sprint out of Dr. Abbott's reach. Please don't hurt me, you beg. I need your help. How can I hurt you, he replies angrily. You don't exist. What do you mean, you demand. I've been working too hard, Dr. Abbott mutters. I'm starting to see things. He sits up and unties his shoes, then reties his shoes, and he rubs his eyes. I'm a real kid, you insist. You're not imagining me. I'm really here. He eyes you suspiciously. You try to look as real as possible. I know, you cry. Ask my Aunt Fiona. I try to look as real as possible? She works right here at the university. You have references, the scientist asks incredulously. Please, you have to believe me. Quickly, you explain what's happened to you. I think it was the purple peanut butter I ate, you finish. But whatever it was, I keep on shrinking. If you can't help me, I'm afraid I'll get so small, I'll disappear. Dr. Abbott stares you in silence. Then suddenly, his mouth turns up in a big smile. Kid, he says, you've come to the right place. Turn to page 86. I've been looking for a great experiment, Dr. Abbott exclaims. I don't know anything about size change, but I'm willing to give it a shot. I'll try anything, you say. I'm a desperate. Excellent. Just think of the publicity, Dr. Abbott is getting very excited. People will stop accusing me of... He glances down at you. Well, never mind. Let's get started. The scientist hurries to his desk and searches through piles of papers. I have to do a bit of research, he explains. You smile weakly at him. You hope you haven't made a terrible mistake. Finally, Dr. Abbott lifts you up in his hand and examines you carefully. Every time he exhales, the force of his breath almost blows you up over. He takes out a tape measure and measures you. He puts on a scale and weighs you. Then he places you on a table. I'm not sure which of my machines to use, he said. The magnetron works by changing your magnetic field. The laser gun makes your body's atoms expand. What do you think? What do I think, you reply with a gulp. Somehow, you hadn't expected the decision to be yours. Still, it is your body. Do you want to try magnetism? Go to page 76. Or is the laser gun the answer? Turn to page 101. It seems like if it's going to expand my molecules or my atoms, it should be the laser gun. All right, page 101 it is. I'd like to try the laser treatment, you squeak. Excellent. Dr. Abbott replies. His voice keeps changing. Now stay right there. He rushes across the room and returns pushing a huge machine. It looks like a white machine gun with a pointed barrel. He aims it directly at you. Dr. Abbott presses several buttons on a plastic remote control. With a high-pitched whine like this, the laser starts up. Suddenly a red ray shoots out. Red ray. Red ray. You start to sweat and pant like this. You're not growing any bigger. 
Dr. Abbott turns off the machine. Any results, he asks. It isn't working, you tell him. Oh dear, he says, frowning. Maybe I better turn the ray up to full power. He presses more buttons on the remote. There's a sudden pop, and the entire room glows bright red. You fall down as everything begins to shake. The red light is so bright you have to cover your eyes. Then it begins to fade to pink. The shaking stops, and the laser shuts off. And you're still small. Oh, and Dr. Abbott seems disappointed. Dr. Abbott, you call? Dr. Abbott? You approach the edge of the table and glance down. There on the floor is a tiny creature wearing a white lab coat. It looks like... Quick, turn to page 36. Dr. Abbott. It's Dr. Abbott, a teeny tiny Dr. Abbott. Look what's happened, Dr. Abbott calls from the floor. I used the wrong settings. Now I'm small too. Great, you think. Now what? Don't worry, Dr. Abbott assures you. I'll be able to return us both to normal size. We have to reverse the settings on the laser gun, but we need the remote. Where's the remote? You scan the laboratory for the remote. I see it, you cry. It's on top of a glass beaker on the next table, lab table over. It must have been thrown out of my hand when the room started shaking, Dr. Abbott tells you. It will take both of us to change the settings. But how will we reach it, you ask? I'll climb up the table leg, Dr. Abbott, Dr. Abbott says. Do you think you can jump to the next table? The tables are only a foot apart, but 12 inches is a big distance to someone as tiny as you. You approach the edge of the table and glance down. The floor is a long way down. If you fall, you'll probably break every bone in your stupid little body. Maybe instead of jumping, you should climb down to the floor and then up the other table leg. Now what do you think? If you decide to take the leap, turn to page 57. If you think you should climb down, turn to page 115. I'm going to climb down. Climb down it is. That floor is a long way down. You decide it'll be safer to climb down and then back up the other table. It may take a bit longer, but at least you'll get there in one piece. That's for damn You work your way down the table leg. Luckily, the table leg has carvings that give you good places to put your feet. (laughs) Once you make it to the floor, you scurry over to the lab table. You peer up and see that Dr. Abbott is more than halfway to the top. I'm right behind you! You call up to him. You quickly begin your climb. It's the climb. You pull yourself up, hand over hand. It's tough going, but you are making progress. You glance up again. Dr. Abbott is just pulling himself up onto the table. Unfortunately, he grabs the corner of a huge encyclopedia. The enormous volume tips over the edge of the table. Dr. Abbott manages to swing his legs up and scrambles out of the way. But you're not so lucky. Oh, Oh, no! You squeak. The book tumbles off the table, knocking you from the table leg. You land on the floor with a bone-shattering thud. Uh, A pile of books crashes on top of you. Too bad. What's the scientific term for squashed? The end. Oh my gosh. Crushed by books. (laughs) So that's your one fake. Wow, beware the purple peanut butter. It's funny how these books sometimes end up into like a lab. I think like three out of the last six have had labs and doctors. Okay. I'm going to take the big leap instead. Okay, it's time to take the big leap. How can I make that jump, you wonder? You gaze around desperately, and then you spot something that might help. A pencil. Oh. It's twice as tall as you are, just the right size for a vaulting pole. You've never vaulted before, but you've seen athletes do it on television. You grasp the pencil, point side up. Then you take off running towards the edge of the table. Please let this work, you pray. Just before you reach the edge, you jam the eraser end of the pencil down on the table. Then you leap. 
You sail through the air, and you don't look down. I don't buy it. Hooray! You land on the other table. A moment later, Dr. Abbott scrambles up beside you. The remote's over there, you tell him, pointing. The remote is balanced on top of an open glass jar. The two of you make your way across the table. Dr. Abbott is a very messy worker. The table is covered with junk. You have to detour around dirty coffee cups. You scoot around piles of books. You've almost reached the jar when you trip over a big paper clip. Ow! At last, you reach the glass jar. The remote sits on top of it, way beyond your reach. Was it all for nothing? Turn to page 92. Yes. You refuse to be defeated. I've got an idea, you tell Dr. Abbott. We'll make a staircase. You and Dr. Abbott struggle and strain as you shove books into a pile. The books are stacked unevenly, forming steps. When the pile is as tall as the beaker, you and the scientist rush up the steps. At the top, you reach out for the remote. It's nearly as big as you are. Your hands both touch the remote. With all your strength, you pull. You fall flat on your back, but then the remote lands next to you. I'll change the settings, Dr. Abbott cries. He presses a button on the remote. The buttons are so big, he has to use both hands. Then grunting like this, and sweating, he turns a dial. That should do it, he tells you. On the count of three, jump on button number six. At the same time, I'll put all my weight on the on switch. One, two, you prepare to jump on button six, three. Will you be successful? That depends on the month you were born in. If you were born in the first half of the year, January through June, turn to page 30. If you were born in the months of July through December, turn to page 68. Take me to page 30. Because you were born in Favrier. You were born in one of the you were born in one of the first six months of the year. You jump as hard as you can onto button number six. For a moment, nothing happens. Then the laser begins to buzz, buzz, buzz here, buzz, buzz there. You turn and stare as the machine glows green, then white, then yellow. You suddenly feel very sleepy, so sleepy that you have to take a nap. When you awaken, you find yourself curled up on the lab table wearing a white lab coat. You stretch and yawn, girl. You feel strange. You feel big. You stand up and notice that you are much taller than you have ever been. You rush to the window and gaze into the glass. Dr. Abbott's face gazes back at you. You glance at your hands. They're hairy adult hands. Ew, sick. Now you glance around the lab with, sh- with, a sh- with shock. You see a kid sleeping on a chaya. The kid's eyes slowly open. There's something very familiar about this kid. This kid is you. You gaze at the kid in shock. The kid stares back, looking just as stunned. You realize what must have happened. The laser switched our bodies, Dr. Abbott cries, but he says it in your voice. I know, you reply, sounding like Dr. Abbott. We have to switch back, he exclaims. You think for a moment. (laughs) Not yet, you reply. What do you mean, not yet, Dr. Abbott demands? When? (laughs) When the summer is over, you say. When I won't be stuck with Barney the bully and Dora, dull Dora anymore, you think. Out of the question, Dr. Abbott roars. Can you change back without my help? Of course not, Dr. Abbott exclaims. Then I guess you don't have a choice, you (laughs) state calmly. You go to the desk and find your aunt's number in the directory. What are you doing, Dr. Abbott demands as you punch in your aunt's number. You can't just leave me like this. You hear Aunt Fiona's voice come on the line. Can you please get this kid out of here? You bark in Dr. Abbott's grown-up voice. I can't get any work done. Don't worry, Doc, you say as you hang up. 
I'll come get you as soon as I discover a formula to make my creepy cousins disappear. The end. Hysterical. Ridiculous. Beware of the purple peanut butter. Oh my gosh. I I might have said beware of the purple peanut butter earlier. But it's beware of the purple peanut butter. Another scientist lab shrinking and growing story. Wow. I had so much fun. You made so many decisions. I did. I made five or six decisions. No, probably not that much. But it was still so fun. Are you regretting not choosing the chocolate cake? No, not ever. Oh, not ever. I want to taste what that tastes Mmm, that purpley goop. But it's gonna shrink you, girl. Yeah, well. Well, that's it. Our, the next Give Yourself Goosebumps is under the magician spell. No, please. I, too scary. I'm sure we'll end up at a lab. Oh, it'll probably be another lab one, knowing it. Well, we'll see you. Oh, say hi to us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shrink away. Say hi. Say hi. You can email us at welcome to deadcast at gmail.com. Yes. Or you can say hi to me on Instagram as Daniel X Montgomery on Twitter as Daniel Montgomery. Thanks so much for reaching out. We love when you say hi. My Instagram is Matthew underscore Scott Mon- Matthew underscore Scott underscore Montgomery. My Twitter is IURobotU Jane. And my TikTok is Matthew Scott Montgomery if you want to watch that. Woo! Tick, 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 so boom. we'll see you when we're under that magician spell. Oh, wow. Um, if, if you, you choose. Oh.